Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Go Boldly Mastermind podcast. I'm Scott Spade. I'm your host, and I'm truly excited today to have Mike Doherty or Matt Doherty on the on the call today. And um, I think you're going to find that his story is is incredible, especially um, with this month being Domestic Violence uh, Recognition Month, and just honoring those that have um, that have been involved in domestic violence. And uh, so, Matt, welcome to the call. Thank you. It's really an honor, privilege to be here. Absolutely. You have, uh, well, you're, you're obviously the managing director of, uh, how do you say it? Sikich? Of Sikich uh, Workforce Risk Management. Awesome. Tell, tell me a little bit about your, your story and kind of how you got to where you are today and a little bit about what you, what you've done. Sure. Uh, majored in criminal justice uh, many moons ago in college and got out of college and became a U.S. Capitol policeman uh, nice. for a couple of years and then transitioned and uh, accepted a position with the United States Secret Service. Uh, I worked in the Secret Service in a variety of positions, uh, supporting not only the protection of the president, heads of state, heads of government, but also working uh, criminal cases such as U.S. counterfeit currency and organized crime um, in various locations throughout the country. I, uh, I, I'm in the Army I'm in there actually army reserves, but I'm on active duty orders right now. And I spent some time when I was with the, uh, a CID unit out of Atlanta, we went down to Fletzy and, uh, and I absolutely loved the training that we were putting our, our agents in down at Fletzy in, in South Georgia. And, uh, just, you know, the work that, that you guys do as secret service and just putting your life on the line to, to an, a major extent, but there's so much more to it than just protecting, you know, a president or a, a vice president, or, I mean, there's, there's agents out there all over the, the world doing incredible things right now. Yeah, no question. And so uh, towards um, mid-career, uh, I was assigned, uh, a lot of my career was based in intelligence division, which is investigating threats on our protectees, heads of state, heads of government, the president, his family, first ladies, former presidents, et cetera, presidential candidates. I'd been assigned to uh, Jesse Jackson when he ran for president in 1987, tremendous amount of threat uh, against him. Um, and also uh, Patrick Buchanan, but uh, several other candidates that I supported. Um, as I uh, worked in intelligence division, um, long story short, I was asked to help stand up what was created by Congress, the National Threat Assessment Center. Uh, I retired as the agent in charge of the National Threat Assessment Center. It was established by Congress underneath the Secret Service under that umbrella, but it really taught state and local law enforcement how to conduct threat investigations, determining intent, motivation, and capability of someone carrying out an act of uh, targeted violence, in this case, uh, assassination or attempted harm to our protectees. Um, Congress and others recognized um, our ability uh, in this threat assessment. It's much different than a criminal investigation when you're talking about prevention. Right. So uh, I retired from the Secret Service in that role where we were teaching state, federal and local law enforcement education and law enforcement officials how to conduct threat assessments. It really caught the uh, attention of Department of Education after the Columbine incident in 1999. So when I did retire, uh, 
I was heavily involved and still am in workplace violence prevention policies, programs, and training supporting the public and private sectors, uh, including that very concerning and rising instance of domestic violence affecting our workforce. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, people don't realize how prevalent it is when, when a, a ex-husband or an ex-boyfriend or, or somebody shows up at the workplace. I mean, it just puts everybody in danger. No question. Um, in 2009, uh, the Department of Education uh, came out with some statistics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and OSHA that uh, 33% of women killed in the workplace. And I'm not implying that men are not victims of domestic abuse. They are. Right. But for all practical purposes, uh, women are the statistics just far outweigh uh, the victimization of uh, men. Uh, but at that time, 33% of women killed in the workplace were killed by an intimate partner in the workplace. That statistic as of 2016 is now 40% of women killed in the workplace are killed by an intimate partner. This is an epidemic uh, phenomenon. And even the UN Secretary General has cited out of the pandemic uh, the rise of domestic violence um, in, in, in victimization for that. So that is a huge part of our program as we are supporting public and private sector companies, many of them Fortune 500 companies, for instance, um, on how to deal with that domestic violence prevention issue. That, I mean, almost 50%, almost half of, of all workplace deaths are, are from an intimate partner that is and i i can see with covid that a lot of mental health issues came out during covid you know people were spending more time together and they jobs were lost and finances were were tough and just situations and and it it brings out it either brings out the worst or it brings out the best correct yes and i, and I think for a lot of people it brought you know, for those that were already dealing with domestic violence, I, th I think it really brought out the worst in, in some of those. And it really it really impacted them. Yeah, no question. And um, we work very closely with human resource professionals as we redesign programs and policies. I'm a member of the Society of Human Resource Management myself for the last 15 years as we develop these policies. And we're getting away from zero tolerance policies, if I could talk about that for a minute. There's no doubt in my mind, as you read a typical employee handbook that uh, um, fights direct threats, that's not tolerated in the workplace, nor should it ever be. Uh, sexual harassment should not be tolerated in the workplace. So I'm fairly confident that if you walk through the lobby of your building as you return to work from the pandemic, that if there was an incident in the lobby, that would be reported. Or... Um, uh, most company cultures, the vast majority, if there's sexual harassment, uh, that should be reported. Yeah. But what do you do when there's warning signs that there's possibly a victim of domestic abuse in your work ranks? That is not a violation of zero tolerance policies. So we educate uh, our workforces uh, and train them and actually mention it in policies. Uh, there are many warning signs of being a victim of domestic abuse that we can talk about on this podcast. And a lot of times those those warning signs are overlooked until it's too late. No question. And, and almost every time something comes up, friends or family go, you know, we, we, we knew something wasn't right. We just, and typically when it comes to domestic violence, 
women are so scared to to come forward because of the you know retaliation uh not only retaliation but in the workforce uh we remind our workforces that now it's against most state labor laws to discriminate against somebody if they're a victim of domestic abuse in other words maybe 20 years ago if a woman had a black eye uh or bruises that was you know observable warning signs uh, they might be, unfortunately, uh, denied a promotion in some company cultures. Uh, that's not the type of person we would want in our workforce. Um, that's an ignorant attitude. Um, their performance on the job has nothing to do with uh, their victimization by abu an abuser. Uh, so we remind them it's the most against most state labor laws to come out with perhaps if you have a restraining order. Uh, it's a best practice now to have it in employee handbooks. If someone has a restraining order, bring it forward. If you suspect your coworker of being a domestic, a victim of domestic abuse, come forward with a lot of dignity and respect, but report that right. not as a punitive exercise against the employee, but for care and concern uh, for that employee and not only employee, but all of the coworkers, because many times, uh, other innocent bystanders are harmed in the workplace when the abuser comes into the workplace. That is that is so true. And, and so often people are afraid to say something because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want they don't want to cause trouble. But I think it's 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 better to err on the side of caution than it is to err on the side of, you know, I'd rather be I'd rather, rather be wrong than right. That's correct. And there are concrete steps that security professionals and HR in the workplace can take. Once that's reported, it's and we remind uh, the workforce as we train on a learning management system that we have or uh, virtual training or in-person training, we remind them um, what the warning signs are, um, perhaps wearing excessive makeup to hide bruises, um, uh, visitors to the workplace that are disruptive, you know, the, whether it be the uh, companion, boyfriend, okay. husband, whatever the relationship is. Uh, appears to be living in the car um, in, in the parking lot, uh, those types of warning signs. But there are concrete steps you can take. Oftentimes, uh, the person uh, obtains the restraining order where they live. Well, let's sit down and meet with legal counsel, and perhaps it should be expanded to the workplace yeah. or wherever that person works. Should we get a picture of that person? And very unfortunately, in U.S. law enforcement, and I spent most of my career in law enforcement uh, prior to undertaking running workforce risk management for the last 15 years. Uh, databases aren't shared on court-ordered mental health treatments or restraining orders. In other words, you could live a county away, but the local police department where your workplace is isn't aware of the restraining order. So it's really incumbent upon the HR or security professional uh, to liaison with local law enforcement around the workplace. Hey, here's this guy. You know, he's an abuser. He's got a restraining order. We've expanded it to the workplace. We we post a picture and we also arrange uh, in many of our cases uh, security escorts to and from the parking space because the uh, uh, victim uh, that's oftentimes where the abuser can locate the victim, you know, whether it be uh, consternation that um, he or she most times she gets her paycheck or independence. So we may want security uh, at the building to escort her to and from the parking lot because that's a vulnerable point. However, these are concrete steps. We don't get involved in discussing in public 
the circumstances of the restraining order. I have one case, if we have time to tell you about, that was a success story, but it could happen to anybody. And um, the non-punitive nature of workplace violence prevention programs and policies is key, as you alluded to, to reporting that and coming forward right. uh, and not holding it against the person. Share that, share that story, because I think it's important to... Sure. I had a very uh, large insurance company um, and, and um, we rewrote the employee handbook, the code of ethics, and we provided training to all the employees. There was maybe a thousand people in the room, including the CEO who was in the back. We reminded them, here's the policies. Uh, if you have a restraining order, you should voluntarily um, bring those forward, a copy uh, to HR and security. Um, and that'll be held in the most strict confidence. Uh, and there's a reason why we want to do that. Again, we ran through, should it be expanded to the workplace? Should we liaison with local police? We want to make sure you're safe. And by the way, this employer, uh, my client, is obligated by law not to discriminate against anyone who's mere, merely because they're a victim of domestic abuse. It's not a performance issue. So during a break in one of the uh, sessions, an office manager uh escorted a young woman uh, to my attention. And by the way, there's nobody that knows more about the uh, inner dynamics of an office than the office manager, executive assistants, receptions. <laughs> so Absolutely. she came forward with this young woman and she was employed for about five years, well-regarded. She was very distraught. And I've handled these cases many, many times um, within government, without government for the last 30 years. And I asked her what the restraining order she said, I have a restraining order. And I said, who is it? Um, what's the circumstances? And she said, I went on a blind date. It's, it's the worst mistake I ever made in my life. Um, my parents are too old to live with. This person was in their 20s. First job out of college for about five years. Wow. She said, my parents are too old to live with. Uh, so I live with my uh, brother and his wife. Um, and this is an extremely violent individual. And I've had the restraining order for two years. I've been here at this employer for five. We immediately uh, got a picture of the person, liaison with the local police, got the special um, security escorts to and from her parking space. And we didn't brief the security escorts, blind date and all this right. uh, circumstances. And you could not help but feel sympathy for this person. This could have happened to anyone. It's got nothing to do with their professional performance. Uh, we were able to apprehend that person uh, he was doing other bad things. You know, once a bad actor, you're always a bad actor yeah. uh, on, on other bad behavior. Uh, but the CEO called me a few weeks after the person was apprehended. And he said, Matt, uh, you know, she's a valued employee. And I think she's very grateful. But there's no doubt in my mind, other people of her demographic, in other words, other young women, probably knew about this, but didn't want to get forward to get her in trouble. Yeah. And now that we have these policies, I've noticed on job reviews for Glassdoor and Indeed, that the young people here are saying this is a great place to work because yeah. they knew, even though we didn't publicize it at the water cooler in the break room, uh, they probably knew from her that this company took care of her. Uh, we protect our own. It's the reason why we call it workforce risk management instead of workplace risk management. It's not only about the uh, bricks and mortar of a building. It's where they work. They're on customer sites, client sites, et cetera. So we were able to get a good story out there and morale went up and it was duly noted by the CEO. Wow, 
The young people here know this is a good place to work. Uh, while we treated her with dignity and respect, and once again, valued employee, she's still there. That was that incident happened a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, it's a good story to tell as far as making a safe workplace and the non-punitive nature of the reporting uh, that you referenced earlier in this podcast. You know, for I would I would guess that for every one good story, there's probably double or triple the stories that the amount of stories that don't end end well. No question. Uh, we did a very large medical company, uh, somewhat nationally known, and we um, looked at their policies and programs and we noticed that they didn't have anything for domestic violence. Right. Well, consider the circumstances. We had recommended this. They said, okay, we don't have funding for this, uh, for this training that you want to do. And we'll get to it next year during the next fiscal year. Okay, fine. Uh, we're happy to support in any way we can. Well, picture a factory floor of mostly women, mostly uh, serving 20, 30, 35 years on the factory floor. Uh, very close. They go to each other's wedding showers and baby showers. They're, you know, they're almost like sisters. Uh, and picture uh, a large factory floor and one woman uh, called in sick one day, which was out of the ordinary. They knew her soon-to-be ex-husband was a jerk. Uh, they didn't say anything. She came into work a couple days later with a uh, bruises on her face. Once again, they didn't want to pry. They didn't want to invade privacy. And they certainly didn't want to tell her boss because of that fear. We don't want to get her in trouble. We don't yeah. want to cause any consternation. Well, the husband killed her in the parking lot a couple days later. And imagine the guilt associated with that workforce of not reporting it. Guilt and anger. Anger yeah. that there was no program. Uh, to report these types of things, uh, even if it's anonymous on an ethics uh, hotline, which we leverage all the time. But the impact on the workforce can just be devastating on these, especially when most of these cases, and I've been interviewed on many media outlets to include the Washington Post, CNN, et cetera, even before the person's identified, I'll, I'll tell the uh, reporter, look, there's a high likelihood there's some association with the company. It's a disgruntled employee customer. It could be an intimate family member if it's a domestic violence case. Uh, but invariably, in almost every case, the behavior concerned others. It's just a matter of getting that right uh, format and forum and environment of courtesy, respect, and safety to report concerning information and not necessarily as a non-punitive exercise. Untreated mental health, domestic violence, all of those things. That's why employee assistance programs are so valuable in our assessments and just getting people the help they need is just critical. It, it costs that company far more than the investment of getting that, the training that they needed. In the no question. We've had other cases. Yeah, no question. Uh, once that hits the news, you know, that's not how you want to be remembered. <laughs> For sure. Matt, you have, you have certainly shared some, unfortunate insights and um you know what what is some what is one piece of advice that you would give companies out there that because i would imagine that you're you're targeting companies of probably what 15 20 or more employees yeah usually yeah just got off the phone today there's a, a growing company they only have about 20 employees and we're uh writing their policies my advice is do you have a program my advice to employees uh, go to your 
uh, HR and go to your security. Um, is there a program? And the other thing we emphasize is, uh, you know, the old Department of Homeland Security, and it's still a great tagline. If you see something, say something. We've kind of modified that in some of our training. If you sense something's not right, say something. I love it. I love it. Something's just not right. We have an employee who's at once gregarious and, and friendly and charming. And all of a sudden, the last few days, um, you know, everybody has a bad day at work. Um, yeah. The last few days, um, they've uh, not been grooming themselves like they normally do. They're wearing excessive makeup to hide bruises or something. All of those things with frequency and intensity. And I'm not talking about a Monday morning with your hair disheveled because we've all <laughs> been there uh, rolling into the office on Monday morning. But I'm talking about frequency and, inten yeah. and, and intensity to really have a program where you can report that and re realize we're not looking for a, a zero tolerance policy violation. We're trying right. to get people help. Yeah. And that's just critical. They have to be trained. There has to be a threat management team. And this isn't a Matt Doherty invention. These are OSHA guidelines now, Society of Human Resource Management. I'm a member of the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals. This is a clearly proven science and best practice to prevent targeted violence in our workplace. What a great way to end this. If you send something, say something. And we're going to put uh, your your company name in the in the show notes. And just uh, that way people can, can reach out to you and your, your company. Please. And, and just thank you so much for what you're doing and to protect mostly women. But I know that there's there's men that are victims of domestic violence. But we, you know, statistically, we know that a majority of them are, are women. So thank you so much, Matt, for coming on today and sharing some insights and uh, just look forward to having a lot more positive stories. Absolutely. It's a labor of love. Nothing better than getting person in a right, safe place. So Absolutely. thank you, sir. I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. Take care. It's really a pleasure. Bye-bye.